Welcome, welcome, welcome to the ASMR Garden. My name's Millie. Tonight's episode is going to wrap up a four-part series, Reading You to Sleep, The Little Prince. If you haven't heard uh, parts one through three, uh, I would recommend that you go back and listen to those. This was a great suggestion by a friend named Amber, so thank you, thank you, thank you so much for the suggestion. It was a lovely one and I enjoyed reading this book for the first time and I'm reading it right along with you, especially for those of you who also have never read this book. So we will all be finishing this this book together. We're going to be working on chapters 22 through the end uh, to chapter 27. So I don't have too much to say. So I think that um, we should just go ahead and get right into it. The Little Prince Part 4, Chapter 22 Good morning, said the little prince. Good morning, said the railway signal man. What do you do here? asked the little prince. I sort out the travelers in bundles of a thousand, said the signalman. I shunt the trains carrying them. Now to the right, now to the left. And a brilliantly lit up express train, roaring like thunder, shook the signal box as it rushed by. They are in a great hurry, said the little prince. What are they looking for? The locomotive driver doesn't even know himself, said the signalman. And a second brilliantly lit express train thundered by in the opposite direction. Are they already coming back? asked the little prince. Those are not the same ones, said the signalman. It is an exchange. They were not satisfied where they were. No one is ever satisfied where he is, said the signalman. And they heard the roaring thunder of a third, brilliantly lit express train. Are they pursuing the first travelers? asked the little prince. They are pursuing nothing at all, said the signalman. They sleep in there, or they yawn. Only the children pressed their noses against the window panes. 
Only children know what they are looking for, said the little prince. They dote on a rag doll and it becomes very important to them. And if it is taken away from them, they cry. They are lucky, said the signalman. Chapter 23 Good morning, said the little prince. Good morning, said the merchant. He was a merchant selling sophisticated pills intended to quench one's thirst. If a single pill was swallowed once a week, the need to drink disappeared. Why are you selling them? asked the little prince. Because it saves a lot of time, said the merchant. Experts have worked it all out. You save 53 minutes a week. And what does one do with those 53 minutes? Whatever one wishes. If I had 53 minutes to spend, said the little prince, I would walk very slowly towards a spring of fresh water. Chapter 24 It was now eight days since I had broken down in the desert, and I listened to the story of the merchant while drinking the last drop of my water supply. Ah, I said to the little prince, these memories of yours are quite delightful, but I haven't yet succeeded in repairing my plane. I have no water left to drink, and I too would be happy if I could walk slowly towards a spring of fresh water. My friend, the fox, said to me, My dear little chap, this has nothing to do with a fox. Why? Because we are going to die of thirst. He didn't follow my reasoning and replied, It is good to have had a friend, even if one is going to die. I am very happy to have had a fox as a friend. He does not realize the danger, I said to myself. He is never hungry or thirsty. All he needs is a little sunshine. But he looked at me and responded to my thoughts. I too am thirsty. Let's go and look for a well. I made a gesture of weariness. It is absurd to look for a well at random in the immensity of the desert. Nonetheless, we started walking. We walked for hours in silence. Darkness fell and the stars began to come out. Due to my thirst, I was slightly feverish and saw them as in a dream. The little prince's last words came dancing back into my mind. So you are thirsty too? I asked him. But he did not reply to my question and said simply, Water may also be good for the heart. I didn't understand his answer but remained silent. I knew only too well that there was no point in questioning him. He was tired and sat down. I sat down beside him. After a short silence, he spoke again. The stars are beautiful because of a flower one cannot see. I replied, of course. And I looked at the sand dunes under the moonlight in silence. 
The desert is beautiful, he added. And it was true. I have always loved the desert. One sits down on a sand dune, sees nothing, hears nothing. Yet one can feel a silent radiation. What makes the desert so beautiful, said the little prince, is that it hides a well somewhere. I was surprised by a sudden awareness, the sand's mysterious radiation. When I was a little boy, I lived in a very old house, and a legend told us that a treasure was buried there. To be sure, nobody had ever discovered it, nor even searched for it, perhaps, but it cast an enchantment over that house. My home was hiding a secret in the depth of its heart. Yes, I said to the little prince, be it a house, the stars, or the desert, the source of their beauty cannot be seen. I am glad that you agree with me, he said. As the little prince fell asleep, I took him in my arms and started walking again. I was deeply moved. It seemed to me I was carrying a very fragile treasure. It even seemed to me that there was nothing more fragile on all the earth. In the moonlight I gazed at the pale forehead, the closed eyes, the locks of hair trembling in the breeze, and said to myself, What I see here is nothing but a shell. What is most important is invisible. His lips opened slightly with the suspicion of a half-smile. I said to myself once again, What moves me so deeply about this little prince sleeping here is his loyalty to a flower, the image of a rose shining through his whole being like the flame of a lamp, even when he is asleep. And I felt him to be more fragile still. Lamps should be protected with great care, a gust of wind can extinguish them. And I walked on, and at daybreak, I discovered the well. Chapter 25 Men, said the little prince, crowd into express trains without knowing what they are looking for. So they become agitated and rush round in circles. After a pause, he added, It is not worth the trouble. The well we had reached did not look like the usual wells of the Sahara. The Sahara wells are simple holes dug in the sand. This one looked like a village well. But there was no village here, and I thought I was dreaming. How strange, I said to the little prince. Everything is ready. The pulley, the bucket, and the rope. He laughed, touched the rope, and set the pulley working. Can you hear? said the little prince. We have awakened the well, and it is singing. I did not wish him to make an effort. Leave it to me, I said to him. It is too heavy for you. 
slowly I pulled up the bucket and planted it firmly on the edge of the well. I could still hear the singing of the pulley in my ear and in the water, which was still trembling. I could see the shimmering of the sun. I am thirsty for this water, said the little prince. Give me some of it to drink. And I understood what he had been looking for. I raised the bucket to his lips. He drank with his eyes closed. It was as sweet as a festival treat. This water was something entirely different from ordinary nourishment. It was born from the walk under the stars, the singing of the pulley in the effort of my arms. It was good for the heart, like a gift. When I was a little boy, the lights of the Christmas tree and the music of the midnight mass, the sweetness of the smiling faces, all made up the radiance of the Christmas gift I received. The men where you live, said the little prince, grow five thousand roses in the same garden, and they do not find what they are looking for. They do not find it, I replied. And yet, what they are looking for could be found in a single rose, or in a little water. Yes, indeed, I replied. And the little prince added, but the eyes are blind, one must look with the heart. I had drunk the water. I was breathing easily. The sand at sunrise is the color of honey, and I was very much enjoying this honey color. Why then was I feeling such grief? You must keep your promise, said the little prince softly as he sat down beside me again. What promise? You know, a muzzle for my sheep. I am responsible for this flower. So I took my rough sketches out of my pocket. The little prince looked at them and laughed as he said, Your baobabs are a little bit like cabbages. Oh, and I have been so proud of my baobabs. Your fox, its ears, they look a bit like horns, and they are too long. And he laughed again. You are unfair, little prince. I could only draw boa constrictors from the outside and boa constrictors from the inside. Oh, that's enough, he said. Children understand. So I drew a muzzle with a pencil, and my heart ached when I gave it to him. You have plans I know nothing about. But he didn't answer. Instead, he said to me, You know, my descent to the earth, tomorrow will be its anniversary. Then after a short silence, short silence, he added, I came down very near here. He blushed again, and once again, without understanding why, I had a strange feeling of sorrow. However, a question came to my mind. So it is not by mere chance that on the morning I met you, eight days ago, you were wandering around all by yourself one thousand miles from any human habitation. 
you were returning to the place where you had landed? The little prince blushed again, and I added a little hesitantly, perhaps because of the anniversary. The little prince blushed again. He never answered questions, but when one blushes, it means yes, does it not? Oh dear, I am a bit frightened, I said to him. Reassuringly, he said, now you must work. You must get back to your engine. I shall wait for you here. Come back tomorrow evening. But I was not reassured. I remembered the fox. One runs the risk of crying a bit if one allows oneself to be tamed. Chapter 26 Beside the well, there was the ruin of an old stone wall. When I came back from my work on the following evening, I saw from some distance my little prince sitting on top of it, his legs dangling, and I heard him saying, Don't you remember? It was not quite here. No doubt another voice answered him, since he replied, Yes, yes, it is the right day but not the right spot. I continued walking towards the wall, but still could neither see nor hear anybody. Yet the little prince answered once again, Yes, of course, you will see where my track begins in the sand. Just wait for me there. I shall be there tonight. I was a mere twenty meters from the wall, and yet I could see nothing. After a short silence, the little prince spoke again. Is your poison good? Are you sure it will not make me suffer for too long? I stopped in my tracks, my heart aching, but I still did not understand. Now go away, he said. I want to get down. Whereupon I dropped my eyes through the foot of the wall and what I saw made me leap into the air. It was there, raising its head towards the little prince, one of those yellow snakes which can kill you in a matter of seconds. Groping my pocket for my revolver, I started running, but because of the noise I was making, the snake gently slipped back into the sand, like the dying spray of a fountain and in no apparent hurry, disappeared among the stones with a light metallic sound. I reached the wall just in time to catch my little prince in my arms. His face was white as snow. What does this mean? I asked him. Why are you talking with snakes? I had untied the golden muffler which had never left him. I had moistened his temples and given him a little water to drink, and now I didn't dare ask him any more questions. He looked at me gravely and put his arms around my neck. I could feel his heart beating like the heart of a dying bird shot with someone's rifle. He said to me, I'm so glad you discovered what was the matter with your engine. Now you can go home. 
How did you know? In fact, I was coming to tell him that, contrary to all expectations, my endeavors had been successful. He didn't reply to my question, but whispered, I too am going home today. Then he added a little sadly, It is much farther away. It is far more difficult. I could sense that something quite extraordinary was about to happen. I was holding him tightly in my arms like a child, and yet it seemed to me that he was slipping straight down into an abyss, and I could do nothing to prevent it. His gaze was grave and lost in the distance. I have your sheep. I have the box for the sheep. And I also have the muzzle. And he smiled sadly. I waited for a long time. I could feel that little by little he was getting warmer. Dear little man, you were afraid. Of course he had been frightened, but he laughed gently. I shall be far more frightened this evening. Once again I was frozen by a sense of something irreparable, and I realized that I couldn't bear the thought of never hearing that laughter again. It was like a spring of fresh water in the desert for me. Little prince, I want to hear you laughing again. But he said to me, Tonight it will be a year. My star will just be about the spot where I came down a year ago. Little prince, I said, Tell me it is just a bad dream, This story of a snake and of meeting and of a meeting, and a star. But he did not answer my question. Instead he said to me, What is important cannot be seen. Yes, I know. Just as for the flower, if you love a flower which happens to be on a star, it is sweet as night to gaze at the sky. All the stars are a riot of flowers. Yes, I know. It is the same with water. The drought you gave me was just like music. Because of the pulley and the rope, you remember, don't you? It was sweet. Yes, I know. At night, you will gaze at the stars. Where I live, everything is so small that I cannot show you where. Where mine is. It is better like that. My star will just be one of the stars for you, so you will love looking up at all of them. They will all be your friends, and I have a present for you. He laughed again. Ah, little prince, my dear little prince, I love to hear that laughter. Precisely, that will be my gift, as it was with the water. What are you saying? The stars mean different things to different people. For some, they are nothing more than twinkling lights in the sky. For travelers, they are guides. 
For scholars, they are food for thought. For my businessmen, they are wealth. But for everyone, the stars are silent. Except from now on, just for you. What do you mean? When you look up at the sky at night, since I shall be living on one of them and laughing on one of them, for you it will be as if all the stars were laughing. You and only you will have stars that can laugh. And as he said it, he laughed. And when you are comforted, time soothes all sorrows. You will be happy to have known me. You will always be my friend. You will want to laugh with me. And from time to time you will open your window just for the pleasure of it. And your friends will be astonished to see you laughing whilst gazing at the sky. And so you will say to them, Yes, stars always make me laugh. And they will think you are crazy. I shall have played a very naughty trick on you. And once again he laughed. It will be as if I have given you, instead of stars, a lot of little bells that can laugh. And again he laughed. Then he became serious again. Tonight, you know, do not come. I shall not leave you. I shall seem to be in pain. I shall look as if I were dying. It is like that. Do not come to see that. There's just no point. I shall not leave you. But he was worried. I am telling you this, partly because of the snake. It must not bite you. Snakes are vicious creatures. They can bite just for the fun of it. I shall not leave you. But a thought reassured him. It is true that they have no poison left for a second bite. That night I did not see him set out. He had left without a sound. When I managed to catch up with him, he was walking along with a quick and resolute step. He merely said to me, Oh, here you are. And he took me by the hand. But he was still worrying. You should not have come. You will be unhappy. I shall look as if I were dead, and it will not be true. I said nothing. You must understand. It is too far. I cannot carry this body with me. It is too heavy. I said nothing. It will look like an old, abandoned shell. Not anything to be sad about. I said nothing. He was a little discouraged, but he made one last effort. It will be nice, you know. I too shall look at the stars. All the stars will be wells with rusty pulleys. All the stars will pour me water to drink. I said nothing. It will be such fun. You will have five hundred million little bells. I shall have five hundred million springs of fresh water.
and he too said nothing more, because he was crying. Here it is, let me go on by myself. And he sat down because he was afraid. Then he said, you know, my flower, I am responsible for her, and she is so weak, so trusting. She has four tiny thorns to protect herself against the world. I sat down because I could not remain standing any longer. He said, there now, that is all. He hesitated a little more, then he stood up. He took one step forward. I couldn't move. There was nothing more than a flash of yellow close to his ankle. He stood motionless for a moment. He did not cry out. He fell as gently as a tree falls. There was not even the slightest sound because of the sand. <clears throat> Chapter 27 And now, six years have already gone by. I have never before told this story. The companions who have met me when I returned were glad to see me alive. I was sad, but I told them I was tired. Now I have overcome part of my sorrow. In other words, I have recovered, but not entirely. I do know that he has gone back to his planet because I did not find his body at daybreak. It wasn't such a heavy body, after all, and I love to listen to the stars at night. It is like listening to 500 million little bells. But one thing worries me. When I drew the muzzle for the little prince, I forgot to add the leather strap to it. He will never be able to fasten it to his sheep. So I keep wondering what has happened on his planet. Perhaps the sheep has eaten the flower. From time to time I say to myself, surely not. The little prince covers his flower every night with her glass dome and watches his sheep carefully. Then I am happy, and all the stars laugh softly. But then I think, everyone can be absent-minded at times, and it only takes once. He forgot the glass dome one evening, or the sheep slipped out noiselessly during the night, and the little bells all changed themselves into tears. This is indeed a great mystery. For those of you who, like me, love the little prince, nothing in the universe can be the same while somewhere, nobody knows where, a sheep which we have never seen may or may not have eaten a flower. Look at the sky. Ask yourselves, has the sheep eaten the flower? Yes or no? and you will see how everything changes. And no grown-ups will ever understand why it is so important. This is to me the most beautiful and saddest landscape in the world. 
It is the same landscape as in the last picture, but I have drawn it once again to impress it upon your memory. It is here that the little prince appeared on earth and then disappeared. Look very carefully at the landscape so as to be sure to recognize if ever one day you travel to Africa through the desert. And if you should happen to come upon this spot, please do not hurry on. Wait a little, exactly under the star. Then if a child comes towards you, if he laughs, if he has golden locks, and if he refuses to answer questions, you will surely guess who he is. So be kind. Do not leave me grieving. Write to me quickly to tell me that he has come back. Sleep well and good night.